want to welcome you to Central this morning where we seek transformation through the renewing work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm uh, sorry about the temperature in uh, the sanctuary this morning. I got to wear my special coat today. <clears throat> Keep warm. I want to uh, encourage us all. This, this is a good reminder to pray for brothers and sisters in Ukraine, many of whom don't have power, don't have heat this morning as they've gathered for worship this We can be reminded to pray for brothers and sisters there as we experience a bit of discomfort this morning. Here we come to the end of our At the Table with Jesus series, and we come to an incredible, amazing event in Jesus's life, and I trust that you're going to be encouraged by it this morning, because today we find at the table with Jesus, we have hope. But sometimes, hope shines best in the middle of what may feel like a great darkness in our lives. That's where hope is seen, where hope is experienced, when we feel like we may be even in the grip of darkness in our lives. That's where this story picks up this morning in Luke 24. Jesus had been crucified for our sins, and he'd been laid in the grave. It was a, a weekend of despair and darkness in Jerusalem. And yet, a group of people had gathered on that Sunday morning, and some women came and said they saw Jesus' tomb was empty, so they sent more to run and see for themselves. And the Bible says that they saw that the tomb was empty, but they did not see. They were able to see what was happening, but they, they couldn't understand. It was like they had to squint their eyes and they couldn't make out what was happening in the dark. What had happened, they wondered. There were two people there in that gathering in Jerusalem that morning, and they decided it was time for them to go home. So they traveled the seven miles from Jerusalem back to Emmaus, filled with confusion. Verse 18 tells us the name of one of these people was Cleopas. Lots of commentators believe that this is the same Cleopas who appears in John 19, and he was a relative. Cleopas was Jesus' uncle. He was Joseph's brother. And it seems most likely that his companion going back home with him was his wife, Mary. So here we have Uncle Cleopas and Aunt Mary on their way back home to Emmaus, stumbling in their heartbreak and their loss. They lost a nephew in this family. Not only had they lost a nephew, but it it was terrible. He had been convicted of a capital crime. He was humiliated and brutally executed by that crushing power of Rome. How hard that must have been for them as they returned home that day. Once more... Verse 21 says they thought that he may have been the Messiah. They thought that he was the living hope of all the people, but he just got himself killed. Imagine their heartbreak. Not only had they lost a dear nephew, but but their family had been destroyed. Their dreams were destroyed. Their, Their hopes of a better life had been destroyed. They wondered what would come of the people of God under the oppressive power of corrupt and abusive Rome. All of it was gone had grief and loss as they're going back home and probably mixed in with that would be a little disappointment with God. What are you doing, Lord? I know that feeling. Do you know what that feels like to be disappointed with God? It it can be hard to trust him. It can feel impossible sometimes to trust him when we don't understand what he's doing. When we can't trace out his purposes in our lives, we might feel like he's absent. He's turned his back on us. Maybe we even feel all alone. Sometimes 
in that place of feeling alone in the dark, that's exactly where our good father shows up. And he invites us to trust him in that place, even when we don't get what's happening. Because there in that place of darkness and difficulty, even despair, God gives us a tremendous gift of himself. He shows up in those places, empowering us in his presence, delivering hope in that spot of confusion and grief and pain. Because we know how the story goes. Jesus didn't remain in the grave He had been raised from the dead and he appeared to Cleopas and Mary as they were going back home that day. That resurrected Jesus, King Jesus who's alive, showed up, but they couldn't comprehend it. They didn't understand. They they couldn't recognize him as they walked along that road. Jesus was teaching the Bible to them about who the Messiah is and why he had to die, why he must be raised. But they didn't recognize who he was. When they got home that evening, Jesus was prepared to keep on going, but Cleopas and Mary prevailed on him to come in and just, let's keep this conversation going. But as they sat at that table that night, their eyes were opened to his presence. And so were ours. Truth be told, we're not that different from Cleopas and Mary. Sometimes we're just stumbling through this broken world with busted up hearts. So how does Jesus meet us at his table and give us hope? Let's pray as we turn our hearts to his word. Father, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit and enable us to see Jesus. Enable us to understand who he is and what he has done for us. Give us the gift of faith, we pray. Give us strength as we seek to understand your plan when we are confused. Open our eyes to your truth that we might behold your son. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Luke 24, we're gonna pick up our story in verse 28. Luke 24, beginning in verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He, that is Jesus, acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it's toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, when he opened up to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem And they found the eleven, and those who were there with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of our God will stand forever. What happens to us when we are in the presence of greatness? Think about some time that's happened in your life, someone you admire deeply or you honor and you're in their presence. What happens in those moments? Sometimes we're left awestruck. We're kind of dumbfounded, overwhelmed a bit, don't know what to say. Other times we see ourselves in the light of their greatness and we feel small by comparison. And still other times we may feel inspired as if there's a new energy to go out and be like this person whom we admire. What happens in you 
in the presence of greatness. Cleopas and Mary knew that something great, something special was happening on that walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It felt to them, they said in verse 32, like they had a burning in their belly. Even though they didn't recognize Jesus at first, they knew that this was a great occurrence, something special was happening. The way Luke describes them, they are servants on fire in the presence of the greatness of God. What happens to you when you come into the presence of Jesus' greatness? But when we come to his presence and we rest at his table, he fills us with hope. How does he do that? Well, first, we find hope from being with Jesus. We find hope from being with Jesus. Look at verse 15, where Jesus himself came and walked alongside Cleopas and Mary, opening up the scriptures to them, teaching them deeply from it. And verses 26 and 27 say that, they, that Jesus taught how the Messiah had to come and take on flesh. The Messiah had to live a perfect life and be crucified in our place and be raised from the dead in victory over sin and death. But they didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize the work of the Messiah in their midst because they were bound up in their grief. And yet all the same, they lapped up this Bible teaching from Jesus Cleopas and Mary didn't want this moment to stop. And so they invited him in for dinner to spend the night and keep their conversation going. They just wanted to be in the presence of this powerful one who was able to open the word of God and encourage them from it. They wanted to hear more about how this Messiah would come and deliver them and pardon them for all their sins and heal them and dwell with them. They wanted to know more and more about that kind of God of grace. Do our hearts reflect that same hunger for the word? Do we have that same desire to to give our attention and, and give our hearts to the truth of the word of God? Or do we, as we so often do, look into other places to be made to feel alive? Do we look to all kinds of things to to feel alive and feel powerful and feel understood? And yet, truth is found in the Word of God. Jesus taught Cleopas and Mary all about it. He will teach you and me that truth as well. Verse 29, they arrived at their destination and then they had a meal, verses 30 and 31. Jesus broke the bread and gave it to them and it says that their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Now, why then? They had been with him on the road all this time. He had been teaching them all this time. Why did they recognize Jesus after he broke the bread and gave it to them? There's lots of potential answers. Some of the early church fathers suggest that their eyes were opened when Jesus broke the bread because as he broke it and gave it to them, they were able to see his nail-pierced hands. They recognized him for who he was as the crucified one, and yet here he was alive in their presence. They had seen that he had been crucified, and yet here he was alive. They were in the presence of greatness. We don't know exactly what they saw, but we do know that Luke says their eyes were opened in that moment. They were able to see, but it wasn't of their own strength. Their eyes were opened, as is written in the passive voice. Something happened to them. Someone opened their eyes to enable them to recognize Jesus. Who was that? It was the Holy Spirit. 
That same Holy Spirit who inflamed their hearts in verse 32, the Spirit of God opened their eyes and they recognized Jesus and their hearts were warmed and kindled and set ablaze with the truth that this Jesus who was dead is now alive and that living Lord is now with them in that very spot. It was in the presence of that living Lord that they were changed. That's where we're changed in the presence of the living Lord. Now, we may read this story and think, I wish I had been there. Wouldn't it have been amazing to hear this great biblical theological lesson from Jesus himself? These are all the ways that the scriptures all point to me. It would be wonderful to be there. We might think, I I wish that I had heard it. It would be more believable to me if I had heard it directly from the lips of Jesus. Maybe I would understand better if, if Jesus himself were there and I could, I could ask him questions and he could explain all the more. I wish I were there, we think. But the truth is you can be there because that same Jesus, that same Jesus who appeared to Cleopas and Mary comes to us in his word by his spirit to inflame our hearts That same Jesus is here to breathe the winds of change into your life. He is alive and you can know him right now. You can know him in his word. That same resurrected Jesus comes to you and to me. He comes to encourage. He comes to bless. He comes to change us even as he changed Cleopas and Mary. The same Jesus steps into our lives to deliver hope for us when we're bound up in darkness and distress. That same Jesus comes. And that's how we have change, brothers and sisters. We change when we are in the presence of Christ, when we are with him. We begin to change and grow. That's what Cleopas and Mary experienced. That's what you and I can experience as well. When the Holy Spirit works by and with his word, he begins to shape our hearts. He begins to change us and make us look more like Christ. He begins to grow us into a life of a disciple, which Dallas Willard once described as someone who's learning from Jesus how to lead their life as Jesus would lead their life if he were they. It's what it is to be a disciple to lead my life the way that Jesus would lead my life. And that growth, that change, that transformation happens when we're in his presence by his word and his spirit. He shapes us to be like him. That same Jesus who was in that home with Cleopas and Mary is here this morning. That same Jesus is here for you and for me. And it's his life in us that powers change in our lives. But sometimes I feel like I have to change myself. Do you ever feel like that? I feel like I've got to do something. I have to, I have to reform my ways. I have to, to do something to bring a change into my life. And sure, it'll last for a little while. But lasting change can never come from within us. Lasting change that will grow us in holiness, that will grow us to be more like Jesus, doesn't come from within us Christ must do it for us. He must work in us. And he promises that he will. I've been sailing a few times in my life. And uh, every time I've gone sailing, I've been with experienced sailors because I have no clue what I'm doing on a sailboat. 
But I've learned one very important thing on the sailboat. What I learned is that if I'm standing in this boat, it's floating on the water, it went on the Chesapeake Bay a few times, standing in the Chesapeake Bay in this sailboat, if I push on the mast with all of my strength, I mean really shove and give all, lean into it and push as hard as I can from inside that sailboat, what's gonna happen? Absolutely nothing. In order for the sailboat to move, there has to be a power from outside it. There has to be a wind from outside to catch that sail and propel the boat forward. I can't do anything by myself from within, within it, but a power from outside comes and begins to make it move. It's the same with you and me spiritually. If you want to grow and you want to change in the Christian life, simply saying, by my power, I'm going to stop doing all that sin, you're not going to change. You might reform your ways just a little bit, but what's going to be happening is if you rest and rely on your strength, the roots of sin grow stronger and deeper in your heart. Instead, what must happen is the work of God from outside of us, that the Spirit of God must change us. He must open our eyes to see Jesus so that underneath the sin we begin to change. What we love begins to change. What we desire begins to change. What we pursue and what we've given ourselves to begins to change. It's the change that says the kingdom of God is more valuable to me than anything in this world. And the only way that grows within us is the Lord has to do it. The Lord by his word, the Lord by his spirit. He's the only one who has the power to change us from the inside out. Because growing in Christ is never a matter of just saying, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop doing that. But growth in the Christian life says, Lord, I'm going to start. I want to start loving what you love. I want to start pursuing what you pursue. I want to start pursuing whom you pursue. I want to have a heart like yours to desire what you desire. Lord, I want my life to be lived how you want me to live my life. How do we change and grow into that kind of person? It happens by being with him. That's where it comes from. As his word is brought into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, we're nourished by it, we begin to be changed by it. Do you want to grow? Do you want to change? Do you want the power to deal with some disappointment in your life? Do you want some unruly sin to no longer have such a grip in your heart or your life? Do you want to find strength to follow Jesus when it gets really hard? The power for all of that comes from being with Jesus. By the power of the Spirit, He will change you from the inside out. Because this is true. We become like what we most expose our hearts to. We become like what we give our hearts to. That's Cleopas and Mary experienced on that road and in their home. That's what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18 as well. It's one of the best how-to verses in the Bible. How do we change? How are we transformed? This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
The image that Paul uses is not a sailboat, but a mirror. A mirror just merely reflects something. Whatever is in its presence, the mirror reflects it. And so Paul says that's what happens with us when we come into the presence of the glory of God and we begin to behold and, uh, and, and count beautiful his glory, then we are transformed. We are changed more and more into what we reflect. For in the presence of God, we're exposed before him as, as the guts of our lives are laid bare before God. He begins to do that work of transforming us from the inside out. He begins that work of change. Because the how of change is connected to who is at work within us. That's how we change. When the Spirit of God is at work within us, then He begins to, shape, to change us and shape us to be more like Jesus. It's a supernatural work. So let me ask you this question. When you come into the presence of Christ, when you have your Bible open and you begin to pray, do you expect anything to happen? Do you expect God to show up? Do you expect, do you ask for the presence of Jesus to begin to make you different? If you're anything like me, so often we live as if Jesus is dead. We live as if he had remained in that grave and he's powerless to do any work in my life. We might feel that he's, he's powerless to give me strength when I'm weak. We feel he's powerless to bring me hope when I'm despairing, when I'm hurt, we might feel, we might live as though Jesus were dead, but he's not. Jesus is alive. He was raised from the dead in power and in glory, and you can meet that risen Jesus yourself. The how of change in your life is connected to who is alive within you. If by the Spirit, Jesus is alive within you, he can make you new. He can make you different. He can make you holy. Because that Jesus is hope wrapped in flesh. He's alive and he's willing to meet you exactly where you are. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to pretend to be further down the road than you really are. This Jesus comes to you exactly where you are. And he brings the power of heaven with him. So friends, lay out your hearts before him. Lay your needs out. Place, place your desires before you as you spend time with him. Sit with your Bible open in prayer. Lord, do a work in me. Change me. Shape me to be more like you. That same Jesus who met Cleopas and Mary in their home in Emmaus is here for you today. Supernaturally to bring you hope in darkness. We find hope at the table with Jesus. We find hope from being with him. But also we find hope in being sent by that Jesus. Being with him is how we change. And it is in being with him that he begins to fuel and empower us to be sent into the world. When we're at the table with Jesus, he changes us and then sends us into the world in his power, with his authority. Look at verse 33. They rose that same hour in the dark after supper and they returned to Jerusalem to report to those gathered that, that morning that they had seen Jesus and he's alive. They had to go back. 
The news was so good that they had to tell it. They had to go from Emmaus, seven miles back to Jerusalem, to tell the other disciples the incredible news that this Jesus whom they saw crucified is now alive. He walked with them. He he shared a meal with them. He showed them in the scriptures who he is and what he's come to do. They had to go tell the story. But here's what you need to know. Palestinians don't travel at night because they're robbers on the road. They're thieves on the road. Palestinians don't travel at night, but Cleopas and Mary did. It says that very night, that same hour, they left in the dark to travel and go back the seven miles to Jerusalem. Why? Because their hearts were on fire. They had been with Jesus. They had seen with their own eyes. They had heard with their own ears the resurrected King Jesus in their life. And they had to go tell their friends. They had to go tell the the other disciples that there is a loving, life-giving Savior here available to us. And it's that resurrected Jesus that compelled them, that fueled them to go and serve and serve with joy. They went back in the dark because they had been with Jesus and he sent them out in his power. It's the same for you and for me. We experience that resurrection life from Jesus. We're willing to take a little bit of a risk to look crazy, to testify to that Jesus. Imagine what Cleopas and Mary might have thought was awaiting them when they returned to Jerusalem. When they had left hours before, people had told these rumors about Jesus being alive, but they didn't know what they would find when they got back. They could have possibly expected that their friends would think they had lost their minds. What in the world are you talking about? Alive? We saw him dead. We saw him dead. They might expect that these disciples had all been scattered. They might expect that some of them had been put to death too because Jesus was crucified because he was a traitor to the authority of Rome. They might thought maybe the rest of his disciples were put to death because they were in collusion with him. It was risky for them to travel in the dark. It was risky for them to go back and testify to what they had seen, what they had experienced. And yet, because they had been with Jesus, they were strengthened to go serve in his power, in his joy. They were strengthened to take a risk because they'd been with Jesus and they knew his life. I wonder where Jesus is calling you to serve. Where is he calling you to serve that may feel like it's a little bit risky? People might think you're crazy. People might think you're full of bigotry. Or people might think that you are delusional. Where is it risky for you to serve the Lord Jesus? It's in being with him, fellowshipping with resurrected Jesus by his word and his spirit, where we hear once Again, his tender love, where we hear about his full pardon on the cross for us, where we hear about his indwelling power, his resurrection life, his ascension to the throne. It's in being with that Jesus where we are strengthened to serve. Being with that Jesus will fuel your service. Is there some challenge in front of you that feels too big? Just don't know how you're going to make it through it. Go get with Jesus. Go spend your time with him. Ask him to help you see what he sees. Is there a trial that's weighing you down? 
Go be with Jesus. Sit with him with his, his word open on your lap and you're spending time with him in prayer. Lord Jesus, this trial is too much. I need your strength. Would you help me? Is there a love that he's calling you to offer, to give, and you don't think you have the strength to do it because you are worn out with trying to love this person again and again and again? Go be with Jesus. And ask him to empower you to love the other as you have been loved by him. Because it's having been with Christ, having fellowship with the resurrected Jesus, that we are given power to serve in his name. I'll let you in on a little bit of my prayer life uh, here personally. A, a prayer that I continually pray for Central Church is that God would raise up a generation of missionaries from this place. And he would raise up dozens, hundreds of missionaries through Central Church. Some missionaries who go around the world and tell the story of the gospel. But all of us missionaries going down the block in the name of his kingdom. My prayer is that the Lord would transform us and change us. That we would be a congregation full of missionaries testifying to the kingdom power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want that? That we want it here. The way it happens is if we're with him, if we give our hearts to him, if we open our lives to him and let him strengthen us, let him encourage us, let him deliver hope in those places of pain and strengthen us to serve. Think about it this way. If you know that you sit in the presence of greatness, whenever you open your Bible, whenever you pray, you realize that you're together with the King of kings and Lord of lords. The creator of the universe, the sustainer of the universe, he hears you. Not only does the King of kings and Lord of lords hears you, but he speaks to you. And when you are weak and you ask him, he gives you his strength. And even more than that, he goes with you wherever you go. How can those things rest upon our hearts without filling us with hope? For whatever lies ahead is if we know the King of kings and Lord of lords hears us and speaks to us and gives us strength and goes with us into every trial, how could we not help but hope? It's the work of the Spirit. He prepares us and equips us to serve because we've been with Jesus. Do you need it? Where do you need his strength? His power his courage, his wisdom, his persistence? Where do you struggle to trust him in your life right now because you can't trace out his purpose, you can't discern what his plan is? The answer in every one of those scenarios is to go get with Jesus, to rest in his presence and allow that resurrected God, that king of glory and all of his greatness fill you with hope because he's on the throne. Let's pray. Father, we are a people who desperately need to be filled with hope because our hearts accuse us. The devil accuses us. Lord, we, we are constantly up against our lack of strength. We, we bump into our fears we don't want to look foolish. Lord, we bump up against 
testifying to your truth. Sometimes the world doesn't want to hear it, and so we're silent. Lord, we deeply and desperately need for you to be with us. You would open our eyes and our ears to your truth in your word by your spirit. Open our eyes and ears to experience the means of grace that we could know you more deeply. And as we fellowship with you and know you more deeply, would you empower us as you send us into the world as salt and light? Shape us to have your character. Shape us to love what you love. Shape us to live how you lived that we might testify to a lost and broken world that there is life to come. Lord, raise up a generation of missionaries in this church around the world and down the block. Missionaries for your kingdom's sake. Do it, we ask, in Christ's name. Amen.